Here's your host of Sound Off, Brad Bennett. And we are back for hour number three of Sound Off here on this Friday, January 27th, the last Friday of the month. And uh, we're going to uh, wrap up this hour and then uh, call it a day and start the weekend. At least that's what uh, Jan and I are going to do. Jan is in the studio with me, my wife. Jan, how are you? Hi, I'm good. So I'm what do you think so nice far? Two you. hours. <laughs> you, you've never done this before, sat in uh, during a sound off program? No, the only time I entered was the interview a couple of years ago. So what do you think? I think it's really interesting. You're, uh, now I see what you're doing during the day. It's fast-paced. It's really hard. No, nope, Not yeah. anybody can do this. It takes a special talent. Yeah. Well, wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> like taking the clothes out of the dryer? <laughs> As you tell me every day. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite pastimes. Sure. Well, uh, again, we're going to be talking to David Brown here at the bottom of the hour, so stay tuned for that. David is a local author and speaker and a friend of myself and my wife. Uh, but I go back a long ways with David Brown, the, the Brown family, uh, when they lived on 8th Avenue East in the hillside of Duluth. So we're going to talk to David about some of the books he's written and uh, other things that he's done and just kind of... Let it all hang out like we do. We'll just kind of chat about that stuff. So, yeah. So I wanted to mention that today is a variety of things for this day, but we're going to stay focused on the most important one. Today is Holocaust Memorial Day. It's observed on January 27th every year. It is a Memorial Day commemorating the victims of the Holocaust which resulted in the murder of one-third of the Jewish people as well as countless members of other minorities by Nazi Germany. The Holocaust was said to be an attempt to implement their final solution to the Jewish question. The Nazis used propaganda, persecution, and legislation to deny German Jews human and civil rights. They built their case on centuries of anti-Semitism. And today, Holocaust Memorial Day, this January 27th. It's also National Fun at Work Day. I think I'm having a fun day today, Jan, with you being here. Thanks. I mean, yeah, it's fun. It's now, this isn't your work, but it's my work. And, yeah, I'm having fun. So I'm. But we don't have the, the potluck and the goodies and the games that you're supposed to do on National Fun at Work Day. We'll have to work on that next year. It's also National Chocolate Cake Day. Ooh. Layered, molten, bunt, <laughs> fluffy, mousse, decadent, frosted. I, you know, I, I can't say I'm a big fan of chocolate cake unless it's chocolate frosting on a white cake Inside. We're exactly the opposite. <laughs> so you like the white frosting on the inside chocolate? I like all chocolate. <laughs> I love it all. It, it, well, hey, I'm not going to complain. I, I mean, I'll it. go either way on that one for sure. Yeah. Um, and also today is National Big Wig Day. Big Wig. <laughs> so what is that? Well, you can wear a big wig or maybe you're a big what? wig 
uh, where you work. Because, again, today is National Fun at Work Day. Maybe you can pretend to so be the it, big So is it W-H-I-G or is it W-I-G? W-I-G. Okay, seriously. Yeah, it's National oh, Big bizarre. Wig Day. Okay. And uh, it's also National Geographic Day. Huh? Uh, yeah. Great it, magazine. It is. It's observed every year on January 27th. It's a day to pay homage to the National Geographic magazine. Huh. That's been up and running. We have a photographer from Ely, Minnesota. Who has been a national award-winning photographer? Yes, award-winning photographer of his wolf pictures, and that is Jim Brandenburg. Oh, Jim Brandenburg. Yes, okay. He, okay. and he actually does videos now of his photography. So he does. He switched over from still to doing videos, and then back to still. So. Okay, National amazing. Geographic magazine has been up and running for over a hundred years, yeah. uh, covering. A wide array of topics from science, uh, geography, history, and world culture. Yeah, he's amazing. His, he's National for Geographic has endlessly catered to every audience member and deserves a day to be recognized for the massive role it plays in our society. You know, I remember uh, mainly as a younger person, uh, maybe even a teenager going back, and maybe even younger than that, uh, when... Uh, National Geographic was uh, a featured magazine in a lot of homes, whether it be your mom and dad. But, of course, you go to grandma and grandpa's, they always had National Geographic. And that's one of the things about that magazine that always uh, stood out to me and really has kind of been uh, kind of the focal point of it is the photography. Yes. Um, That's how I started doing nature photography, and it was his photos, uh, the wolf pictures. The first issue of National Geographic was published on September 22nd, 1888. Yeah. Wow. A long time. Isn't that something? It's beautiful photography. But uh, we're doing it today, uh, National Geographic Day, January 27th of 2023. Okay. Uh, 218-722-0839 if you want to call into the radio program and share your thoughts or concerns. And uh, we're here for uh, the next few minutes, uh, and then we're going to be talking to David Brown. So we don't have a lot of time, but if you want to squeeze something in, feel free to do that. Last year, our economy grew by 1%. Mortgage rates increased from roughly 3% to, what, 6.5%. Joe Biden is touting the economy is strong. No, it's, well... And we were going to have every... uh, they're saying that we're, in, we're going to have recession. Well, we haven't had recession, he said. Uh, well, maybe by, not by his standards, okay. but by a, a lot of economist standards, we have seen a, a recession, certainly in inflation uh, and, and some of the things that we haven't seen in 40 years. Uh, this inflation has hit a 40-year high, average monthly rents at an all-time high. We saw the highest gas prices ever Stocks were having a bad, last year was a bad year for stocks. And oh yeah, by oh credit card debt. Credit card debt has hit an all-time high, but we've seen inflation rates that we haven't seen in 40 years. And oh yeah, the border is not secure. Did I miss anything, Jan? Yeah, well, I'm uh, the one that's was is always looking at numbers, you know, my accounting background, right? So when I ran for city council, I was looking at numbers all the time because I was reading the um the ordinances and going through as a city council. And the thing about inflation is that if you have two quarters, according to um, all of your economists, your Nobel Prize winning economists, um, which I have books of, 
two quarters of inflation is supposed to mean um, that we're, you go into what? Recession. Recession, yeah. Yeah, and well, so that's the technical. So I don't understand how – I think what they do is – I don't know if it's political, but – you know. and I've read the New York Times article, an extensive New York Times article on this, and they basically said and they agreed that you know, how many quarters are we in now? I mean, how many, how long have we been in inflation? So, you know, last year, two, you know, a year and a half. So, you know, obviously, what is it being, is it political that they're not stating that? And, and, and you get other opinions. So you get, you know, there's always the opinions on, on, from economists on what it is. But basically, I mean, we're there, pretty much close to being there. Um, and they keep saying that we're not, and yeah. they keep raising the interest rate, right? So yeah, exactly, and yeah. so we've got that again. The average rents are up twelve yeah. percent from a year ago. Average thirty-year mortgage uh, up from two and a half to six and a half in less than a year. Average wages are trending down. Our kids have the largest learning loss in modern history. Yes, fuel excise taxes are a big deal because if you do if if there's anybody that does accounting out there and I know the accounts payable people know what I'm talking about. But I believe a lot of this has to do with fuel excise charges and how that's passed on to the consumer. Well, the spending in uh, Congress or the spending from our government whether it be at the federal level or the national level is not helping the problem. You can't spend your way out of poverty. No, oh, and I've been uh, for the last twelve years reading books on economics because I switched parties. I went from a Democrat party to a libertarian, and one of the th- reasons is because I started really reading books on economics. And if you do that, you see, and like I said, I, I've been in accounting for many years, and I think that's one of the reasons why. It, when you work for small business, you see the money, you see how much it costs to run a small business, you see, um, like. Referring to fuel excise taxes. Exactly, exactly. You know, there was a couple of sound bites that I had from President Biden here. I don't know if they uh, relate to what we're talking about here, but uh, one in particular, and and that's the thing about President Biden. And this isn't, uh, I don't want to turn this into a segment where we're going to bash the President of the United States. You know, I'm going to leave that up to others to do that per se. But, uh, you know, when you hear President Biden speak, he doesn't speak clearly he doesn't speak there's something terribly abnormal and some people can say well he had a speech pediment you know you shouldn't be uh, you shouldn't be uh, making fun of him well i don't think it's making fun i think it's out of concern i mean he is the president of the united states the most powerful nation on earth and for the president of the united states to say this is very disturbing this is the united states camera for god's sake the, the what? This is the United States Camara, for God's sake. What did he say? I don't know. He's, you know, it's, it reminds me of, for anybody, it just, I think there's a little, and I hate to say this, dementia problem. I'm not sure. It's, I hear some of the things that he's saying, and I'm like, I feel bad for him. I feel sorry for him. And then there's this comment from the uh, president of the United States. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him uh, foot, those are actual statements. Yeah. I don't know what to, what to make of it. It's just, you know, I mean, he's 
we elected. And then here's probably one of my favorite <laughs> ones. And by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Yeah, that's so that the right Corvette's there is... in a locked garage. Now that's when he was talking to Peter Ducey, mm-hmm. when Peter Ducey said, "You've got your Corvette in Not... a garage and these uh, classified documents. Oh. What were you thinking?" Boy. And he said, "Well, the documents." Are in my garage, and, and by the way, my Corvette's in a locked garage. Yeah, it's by the secure. documents. It's not secure. By the classified documents. Yeah, the classified documents were the executive order that Obama put in place that haven't been really looked at. And I think what scares me—it's we have an obvious problem. So there must be, there has to be some type of. There's supposed to be oversight because we have an executive order thirteen five twenty six from two thousand nine, and it hasn't, according to what I see, it hasn't been changed. So it's. There's three classifications of, of confidential, secret, and top secret. And so we do have something in writing stating that, you know, to, what guidelines we have, because that's Executive Order 13526. It's laid out. But the problem is when those documents leave the White House, where's the oversight? Do we, we need a committee. We need, and Rand Paul is one. I keep on Rand, but he's stating we need to have some type of oversight as to what's leaving the height. Obviously, there isn't. Rand Paul just came out, I think yesterday, day before maybe, where he has mentioned taking the top 10% of the FBI and getting rid of them because of the corruption at the top of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. And that's big government. And that's what he's talking about. When they talk about big government, that's what they're referring to, like the IRS and 86,000 agents. If you look at the, I read... A lot of the bill, actually, and it's thousands of pages long, but I went through and looked at the tax, the tax portion of it. And basically, that's what they're doing. They want to hire more. So. Well, we're going to take a break here. We're just kind of uh, getting uh, things ready here for our interview at the uh, bottom of the hour here with David Brown. We're going to take a short break here at this time. Uh, we'll be right back. KDAL. Right, we're just hanging around here on the radio, 610 KDAL 127. The Edgar Winter Group, uh, they only come out at night. One of the best albums ever back to 1972. The LP went to number three on the Billboard chart. The single peaked at number 39, Hanging Around. around 14 degrees in Eveleth right now, 24 uh, winds are northwest, uh, 24 miles an hour in Eveleth. Uh, wind chill currently five below in Eveleth, Minnesota, home of the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. And I am just ashamed of myself, Jan, that I have never been there. Oh, I know, right? Uh, every time we drive by there, I say, let's stop. 
Well, we don't drive by it often, but no, uh, when we're up in Virginia, and, you know. But yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have get to make up there. A st- we'll have to make. We'll have to make. I'll have to go on a road trip. Yes, we will do that. We're going to go this year. We're going to be at the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Definitely. And we're not going to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto because it's too hard to get in and out of Canada right well, now. Well, yeah. I don't want to deal with I think you need a passport. Yes, or you do. You need, uh, you need that special driver's license that nobody has. Right. Or at least I don't have it, and I know you don't have it. No, but, I'm not uh, yet, yeah. Yeah. So uh, just looking at uh, some of the things here that are happening in our world, uh, what are the latest headlines? Yeah. Uh, you know, this is really a terrible thing that's going on in Memphis with these f- uh, five police officers charged with murdering this Tyree Nichols. Uh, four of the five former Memphis police officers have uh, are out of jail on bond, and they're facing charges, uh, including second-degree murder. Nichols was a black man who died in the hospital days after a traffic stop involving the officers who are also black. And uh, we have to say these things now because uh, that's the importance of a lot of this stuff. But uh, it, it's just terrible. I haven't seen any of the footage. Yeah. I don't know if it's out yet, but uh, that's just a terrible thing. Hey, to, Kenny, um, they're saying he added that, according to the press release, it says they added that the family is satisfied with the charges that were filed against the officers involved in Nichols' death. So I'm just wondering, and I haven't seen what the charges were, but... You know, I mean, this is this is real. There's going to be a lot more scrutiny because of the Floyd case. You know, sure. Yeah. One thirty the time we're going to go to CBS News here at the bottom of the hour. And again, we're going to come back with David Brown, a local author and speaker and friend. Yeah, I consider Dave a friend. Uh, it, where were we? You and I were out. We were at uh, were we at the mall when we ran into him? I No, we were at Perkins. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. We yeah. were at Perkins. I was thinking of Applebee's. Yeah, we were at Perkins, and he was there, and he was leaving, and he sat down and chatted with us, and it was great. And I thought, well, this is weird. I hadn't seen David uh, literally since the early 70s. Well, what's interesting is when you read his book, and for the local people, anybody that's local in Duluth, if you're from Central Hillside or from Duluth, he talks a lot about – now, it's supposed to be fictional characters – but it's basically his story, and it, it talks about different – he has different names for different things like the Dairy Queen. You know, he has different names. But you know when you read it specifically what locations he's talking about, which is very interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to go to CBS News, but I want to squeeze this in here real quickly. Former President Trump has outlined his education agenda. Now, again, Trump is touting his plan for uh, American education as he continues campaigning for the White House. President Trump. Donald Trump says it's about putting power back in the hands of parents by holding school principals accountable. The policies outlined include cutting federal funding for any school pushing critical race theory or gender ideology. They also include abolishing teacher tenure for grades K to 12 and instead adopting merit pay. What do you think of that, Jan, just on the uh, surface? You know, my mom was um, uh, very involved with, I have eight brothers and sisters. I went to Northwestern School District, and my mom and dad were Democrats. It might surprise a lot of people out there, but my parents were blue-collar, blue-dog Democrats um, and very active in getting us to vote, uh, having us read, um, just really um, great parents. And we were you know, educated. They were intelligent. But 
basically what they would, my mom, if she was alive today, my mom was a nurse at the hospital in Superior. She was very involved. She would say, you know, we really need to have kids get graduated. We need to kids learn the basics, math, you know, grammar, uh, you know, just the basics, uh, English, literature, math. And so I think this, a lot of this, the, the, I, I don't like the idea of, of teachers being parents. I just think it's, I know that we're at an age where we have single mothers and that, but it's still, it's, it crosses a line. In my opinion, it crosses a line. Well, we have our kids, uh, the largest learning loss in our history. Right. Now, the pandemic caused these kids to go home, oh, yeah. work remotely by sitting in front of a computer screen while their teacher was sitting in front of a, a, a computer screen, yeah, it's just and good. it didn't work. No, and what's happening is that the kids are, if, now if you look at the time frame, two years behind, it's hard for kids to catch up. So I think what we really need to do is 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 go back and, and you know, get these kids educated, get them graduated. So a lot of this stuff is not what, you know, we should be doing. We should be really sticking to the basic topics of getting educated and get, getting them yeah, the three Graduated. R's. The three R's. Yes, reading, reading, writing, writing, and arithmetic. Arithmetic, yes. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the three R's. Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yeah, right. Huh? Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> We've got CBS News. Don't touch that dial. we got David Brown coming up after this uh, short break. We'll be right back. KDAL time is one thirty-nine. On the phone with us, uh, David J. Brown, author and speaker, former paramedic and police officer. David, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Kenny. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, this is kind of special for me, Dave, because uh, you and I and my wife uh, just ran into each other uh, a couple of weeks ago at Perkins, and I hadn't seen you in decades Probably five of them. Yeah, it's been a long time. Now, of course, uh, I grew up uh, my teenage years on 8th Avenue East next to the Browns, and the Browns were next to the Babics. And uh, I knew Ricky and uh, Brian, your brothers, very well. And uh, you uh, you kind of left uh, you left early on, and you ended up moving to Colorado. Let's start at the beginning. So uh, uh, we're uh... – and, Dave, maybe it's best to do this, that you've got – and you just told me during the brief time I was talking to you that you're in the process of finishing your eighth book? That's right. Yes, it went into uh, pre-production just last night. My goodness. Well, I know that a lot of these books have been uh, uh, books of uh, uh, real-life situations for you. And my wife is here, Jan, and Jan uh, read... Uh, Jan, did you read Daddy Had to Say Goodbye? Yeah, when I and I told... David messaged me, and I said... You know, he said, have you finished it? And I said, you know, I read. It was very hard for me to read at first because it really hit home. There's a lot of, I have a lot of similarities with my childhood. And so I picked it up after six months. I went back and I thought, you know what, I'm going to finish it. I have to, I can't sit here. It's like watching a TV show and not watching the ending of it. 
And so it just was, by the end of it, I was like, it was just really, it was great. It's a great, great book. Well, let me ask David. David, what was the, dare I say, inspiration behind Daddy Had to Say Goodbye? Where did that come from? Well, this is a a bit of a lengthy story. I'll try to cut it short. Uh, I never, I was lifted from the seventh grade all the way through graduation of high school. Uh, I've never attended college. And I've never at any point in my life did I have a desire to write a book. That just wasn't in my makeup. Uh, When I was in the second grade, I was deemed as retarded. And I know that's not a pleasant word to hear in this day and age, but that's the word they used. And uh, they tried to put me into special ed, and uh, my parents pulled me out of public school, put me in parochial school, I was kicked out of parochial school and went back to public school. When I was a young kid, I was terribly battered daily and starved oftentimes. And I was a very angry child. And as I grew up, I became an angry man. Um, So when I uh, went into, maybe I'm ahead of you now, when I went into uh, law enforcement, it's because I wanted to stop what happened to me, happening to other kids. And uh, I went too far with that. I, I was excused, if you will, from four different police departments for uh, being, I guess you would say, a bit overzealous in my arrests of people that were beating children or uh, sexually abusing children. I extracted my pound of flesh. And that's nothing I'm proud of, but it's what I did. So getting back to, now we can get back to your, your question. Uh, my writing came to be, in 2009, my mother passed away. I was living in Colorado. I came back to Duluth, and I drove in the, for my mother's funeral service. And when I left, uh, of course, drove back to Colorado, and I was in uh, Sheridan, Wyoming, and I was uh, getting gas at the gas station, and I looked over, and there was a sheer cliff or a mountain face, and something told me, now, understand I'm not a religious man. I live a spiritually based life, sometimes not as well as I should, but I'm not a religious guy. But something drew me to go to that mountain face. And so I got on a side road, then I got onto a gravel road, and I'm way off in the boonies. I'm getting closer, but I suddenly I come to a cattle guard and uh, signs everywhere. Uh, no trespassing, trespassers will be shot, survivors will be shot a second time, that kind of nonsense. But the drive, the internal drive for me to go to that place, I don't know why, was so strong that I went across that cattle guard on the private property. I I arrived at as close as I could get. I had to walk maybe a thousand yards. Uh, But I got to this mountain face, and I can't tell you what transpired. Suddenly, whatever trance I was in, I uh, came out of it. God, and I found myself with my hands pressed in prayer, and I don't pray like that, on my knees. And uh, as I stood up, I saw the indentation of my knees. I thought, what is going on? And I walked back to my car, and I heard a voice. And again, I'm not one of those mystic-type people, but the voice said, David, you must write the book. And, And that was it. I don't know if that was my mother speaking to me, who just passed away, or if it was God. Uh, but I went home. I, I bought several uh, legal pads. I went home, and uh, for three days I couldn't write because I don't know how to write. I've never been to college. I have 
my fingers near a keyboard become hoofs. So I wrote my first book with 68 legal pads by hand. And then I had it transposed into, into typed words. But that's where it all started. And uh, all of my books are my life story. And it sounds, it sounds a little egotistical. How many books do you need to write about your life, my Lord? But, uh, yeah, I, I wrote uh, now my eighth book will be coming out soon, and I'm very proud of that. Now, what's the and name of the eighth be, book? Be my Betrayed, My Body is Killing Me. So this isn't fiction? No, sir. No, None of these books are stuff. fiction? No, sir. Uh, the only fiction, I have to label them as fiction uh, to the press people uh, to avoid legal liabilities. But uh, these are actually, everything is true. The first hundred pages of Daddy Had to Say Goodbye, I used a fictitious state and companies, but it was in Duluth, Minnesota. No, that's, uh, we, we've heard the term, uh, the, the names and uh, change to protect the innocent, and, and you've, you've got to do that, yeah. again, like you said, for legal purposes. And, and Dave, I, I want to mention this because I, we're short for time here. Uh, your books can be found, you have your own website, David J. Brown Books.com, David J. Brown Books.com. And uh, are there other areas to get your books? Are they in any local bookstores? Well, they're not. They're on Amazon, of course. Uh, I had three of my books into Zenith Bookstore, and they just didn't turn. Uh, I'm not a promoter. I don't know a lot of people in Duluth. Let's remember, I was gone for 40 years. I'm not an out-and-about guy. I, I no longer drink. And uh, One of my blessings in life is that I found sobriety in 1991, and I haven't had a drink uh, for 31 years now. And yeah. that's nothing to be applauded, but that's just a blessing. Yeah. David, I, I, again, I'm running out of time here, but I've got to talk to you about your brother Brian and David because, I, I'm sorry, Ricky, because Brian was closer to my age. I think I was a little bit older, maybe a year or two older than Brian, and maybe a year or two younger than David. Or, I'm sorry, Ricky. But uh, those... Yeah. Brian was a friend of mine, and we lived right next door. And the things that you mentioned that might have gone on in that home, I never saw any of that. I was never, ever uh, uh, saw anything to that degree. Well, and the only thing okay. I remember, I don't I don't remember your dad. I remember your mom. Um, but, uh, Rick, I want you to mention uh, Ricky really quickly here, if we could, because Ricky was really a special guy. He was... He was carved, and when I say carved, he was extremely muscular, but not in the sense of like somebody like uh, uh, you know Mr. Olympia or what you have. But he went on to win Minnesota bodybuilding contests. Well, he won uh, Mr. Minnesota, and then he won Mr. Central USA, and then he went out to Las Vegas and competed in. Uh, uh, I forget what it's called. It's the big one, uh, Mister America. Oh, Mr. okay. USA. Okay. And Rick placed placed third in Mister USA. And Lou Ferrigno uh, was a friend of Rick's, and Lou wanted to tear the place apart. Rick should have won that competition. He had the style, the poise, the grace. He was the whole package. But he wasn't a member of Gold's Gym. 
Gold's Gym was a sponsor, Mr. USA. Oh, my. So he got third place. And the first two, of course, were members of, of Gold's Gym. So he got screwed in that uh, pretty drastically. But Rick, uh, Rick actually started his athletic years as a runner. And uh, he did the first layout for Grandma's Marathon before it was called Grandma's Marathon. He was with... Uh, oh, the North Shore Striders. Uh, that's it. That's it. And and him and uh, Scott Keenan ran together a lot. And Scott would pace Rick. And uh, uh, Rick's running career was shortened because I hip-checked him playing basketball in my parents' driveway, and he broke his ankle and he was able to run again. Yeah. Well, the so thing, that, so the, thing I remember oh, Rick. mostly about Ricky is that uh, he was a handsome man. I mean, he looked like something out of a, a GQ magazine. And I remember that in the backyard of 8th Avenue East, we used to throw the ball. We just had a little space between where we lived and the building that was Home Beautifiers. And Ricky was a right. very defined muscularly. And uh, I remember he used to let me, you know, poke my finger on his biceps and stuff. And I asked him, I said, <laughs> how did you get that? And he brought me to the backyard and he threw the ball at the wall. And we used to play ball with the, you know, catch with the ball bouncing off the wall. Right. And I thought there's no yeah. way he got looking like that doing that. But I went back there on my free time to do that, thinking someday I might look like Ricky Brown. Well, he uh, he did most all of that in our in my parents' basement. As a matter of fact, he didn't go to a gym until after he won Mister Minnesota. And the people in that competition were losing their minds. They've never heard of Rick. They've never seen Rick. And here's this guy that pops up and he wins it all. So Rick was extremely competitive. And you know what? He was a nice guy. Rick was a good man. And uh, he dried, died from a blood disease that runs throughout my family, uh, as well as uh, my brother Danny and, and my dad. Uh, but he was a terrific Danny, guy. Danny was, was the lost brother. Not, when I say lost brother, he's the one that I never really knew, but there was another brother in there, and that's Danny. Yeah, he was the oldest. And believe me, when I tell you this, Kenny, I didn't know him either. Uh he was one of the brothers that had leukemia, and he spent three years in University Hospital by himself. Three My years. Goodness. And he was like seven years old. David, and we he suffered greatly. David, we never have enough time on radio when we do these things. But I want to thank you. I know that uh, in the in final moments here, uh, people, if they want to get your books, davidjbrownbooks.com. And uh, final thoughts, Dave. Uh, I'll be happy to sign any book that's ordered on my website. Uh, I appreciate this, and uh, I think your wife is, is one of my number one fans in the U.S., but my greatest fan base, believe it or not, is in the U.K., and I can't explain that, but um, people David, in the U.K. seem to really enjoy my read. Yes, dear. I just want to thank you so much, because when I was reading it, I was going back over the book this morning. That last chapter of your book, I mean, really... It just it's just incredible and I don't want to do any spoilers but um, I just felt like I knew you like I was I was like in the book you talk about lost souls definitely but I think the yes. biggest point of this is you are one of us you're not psychobabble you're not a psychologist you're not a and I worked with many of them so and not not to say anything bad about them but you're a real person I think that's where you're gonna hit home with people is that it's your story 
you're one of us. Every, nobody's perfect. Everybody has their skeletons, right? But your story yeah, is about hope, several. right? It's about hope. Yes, it's about it taking is. ownership of what, and controlling of it. It's not saying, you know, I have this problem and, and I'm just going to wallow in it. You're, it says right on the top, a story of hope. So when I read it, I'm like, man, it just really hit home and it changed my life personally. David, oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, radio has a clock that doesn't stop, and I've got to get back <laughs> to, to, to what we have to do here. This is this is good. Maybe we'll do something like this in the future when we have some time. Uh, David, thanks for your time. Anytime, Kenny. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. David J. Brown. And again, if you're interested in the books, davidjbrownbooks.com. We'll be right back. And the final countdown of the final hour of the final day of the week here on Sound Off. Again, Brad was off today. He took a vacation, went fishing, so we'll hear all the fishing stories on Monday when Brad gets back. And uh, so we'll be back on Monday with Brad. But in the meantime, we're going to go to our we're going to go to our final break here. And this is taps. This is when we play taps for people that have passed away, the men and women who have uh, served this nation. And we're going to play taps here momentarily, and I've got some names here that I'll share with you. Uh, we got a call from Tim in Silver Bay who wanted us to remember his dad, Michael Sullivan, 75, of the Silver Bay area, moved here from Chicago. Uh, Michael Sullivan, 75, passed away January 19th. He was a Vietnam veteran, served 67 to 69 as a U.S. Marine, Michael Sullivan. And then we had Dion. Dion called and asked us to remember his father, Dennis Smolik. Dennis Smolik, 76, of the Brainerd area, a Vietnam veteran, an Army veteran, passed away on January 23rd. So we are going to remember Michael Sullivan and Dennis Smolik today. And uh, we'll be back on Monday with more Sound Off right here on 610 KDAL.